Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. How are you guys doing? You good? Yeah? This is a prophetic sign from the Lord, right? Like a Frenchman on stage when France is going to win against Argentina, of course. So if you could take a minute to pray for those who support Argentina for comfort and peace in their hearts. <laughs> um, I want to say uh, a little quick hi to everyone here in the room and to those who are watching us online. And to Pastor Chris, uh, Pastor Max, and those who are in Orlando, Tampa. And I want to say we love you. Uh, I bless you and we love you. So you guys... I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite season of the year. How many love Christmas here? Yeah, I love Christmas. I mean, in November, it's my birthday, and then one month after, it's like we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, right? So I feel like it's my second birthday. Just in two months in a row, that I like that. I love the idea. Um, and uh, I would love to share a few pieces of my story with you, just like a few key testimonies with you. Are you okay with that? Can we do that? All right. Okay. So, I'm a Frenchman. I was born in the northwest part of France. It's called Bretagne, Brittany. And it's a beautiful region. Now, I was born in church, you know. I was in the soup since, like, I was a baby. Um, but here's the thing. I grew up in an environment that was really, really strong with preaching the law, you know but we didn't have the life, okay? So when I was six years old, to give you an example, um, I had to attend every service and to take notes of every single thing that the preacher, like the pastor, the main pastor was preaching. And then I had to, um, to write like an essay, a six years old, an essay on what had been preached and how I understood it. And then all the kids were gathered in one room and they had to write it properly right? And it was graded and observed and examined by the wife of the pastor. <laughs> That's to tell you how it was, right? Men and women separated. You know, it was a lot of religion. Uh, we would hear a lot about the Word of God, but it was just a letter. There was no life. There was no Holy Spirit. There was no experience of Jesus, of His grace, of His love. It was just a condemning God. I was afraid of God. I loved God. As far as I remember, I always loved God. I was attracted to Him. I was always aware of His presence, but I was also scared because that, that's the God I was preached, right? He was just there ready to slit my throat. But one thing I'm thankful for in this time of darkness, it was spiritual darkness, right? I'm thankful because I had to learn to memorize the Word of God, like big time. And that has been a blessing in my life. Because by the time I was 12, I already knew at least half of the Bible by heart. And today, to this day, it's a privilege. It's a blessing because, you know, it helps me a lot to know the Word of God. Now, that was my condition, my life. I was not allowed to have friends outside. You know, I was also persecuted, bullied big time at school uh, because I was a Christian. I come from a place where being a Christian is not a good thing, right? So I was being beaten up at school all the time because I 
believed in Jesus. And when I went to church, which was the only world where I was allowed to have connections and relationships, I was also beaten up. <laughs> now, I love Jesus. There was this thing in me that Jesus is calling me. I love Jesus. I want to please him so bad. My life was meant for, for him. When I was age 15, I was suffering from a, a condition called enuresia. It's basically something that, you know, kids that are suffering a lot or they're being bullied, usually they suffer from that. You know, they, it's like bedwetting, right? I could, not, I could not hold anything at night, and I, need, I needed to wear diapers, even at 15 years old. And, of course, it was kind of like a handicap in many situations, right? It was annoying. And also, I was a Boy Scout, so I would go to camps. And <laughs> sharing a tent with all the guys was kind of an issue. So you can imagine the stress I had, right? So one night, I was desperate. We, you know, we had tried doctors. We had tried everything. Nothing was working. And one night, I felt this desperation, the cry of my heart inside of me. I was in a Boy Scout camp. It was the very first night of the camp. And I was in a tent with like at least six or seven other guys. <laughs> and I was like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> They're going to make fun of me. That's true. So I waited for all the guys to fall asleep. And then I went out in the night, opened the zipper of the tent, sneaked out. And I walked outside in the dark. I lifted my eyes, and the stars were gazing at me. And I said, Jesus, Jesus, in your word you say that if we ask anything in your name, they shall be granted to us. Also, you say that when we pray, we are to believe that we are answered already. So I believe in your name I'm healed. Now, I didn't hear any angels singing, no bell, didn't feel anything. The stars were still gazing at me. I went back to my tent, fell asleep. And the morning after, for the first time in my life, I was dry. And I've been dry since then, every morning. Now, fast forward, long time later, again, I went out of this environment when I was a young man, a teenager, and uh, I went through a, a whole process of restoration, healing, visiting other churches, being part of something that would actually teach me the grace of God, right? But I was still on a journey to actually discover the reality, the substance of Jesus Christ. Like Jesus is more than just the Bible, just a, a, a few words on a paper. There, there has to be some substance. There has to be something real about Jesus. Jesus is real, my friends. Like he's tangible. We can touch him. But I was desperate because I was reading the things and I was reading books. I didn't grow up with TV. Everybody else was having video games and TV. We didn't have that. I didn't have a screen in my home. I had books. Thank you, Dad. 
My dad is, is just like a, a, a living, walking library. And he transmitted that to me, the love of books. And so I read books. Made me good at school, you know, because <laughs> I know stuff. But I was reading those spiritual books about men of God that lived those revivals and lived those things and spiritual gifts. And I was like, I don't see any of that. I don't have the experience of it. I was desperate. I was feeling like I was dry, like a match. I was dry as dead wood. <laughs> Now, one day in 2007, for my birthday, one of my aunts, great aunt, offered me a book by Reynard Bunke. It's called The Fire, uh, Evangelism by Fire. And uh, that book stayed on, like, on a shelf for quite some time until, for some reason, in the beginning of 2008, I decided to open the book and to read it, and it changed my life. Because now, for the first time, Renard Bonnke, for those who would not know, passed away in 2019, great man of God. He was one of the greatest evangelists that this earth has ever seen. And he did a lot for Africa. He created uh, Christ for All Nations. And Daniel Kalenda uh, today is the one directing this ministry. And he was talking about these miracles and those things that the Lord was doing in Africa. And he was teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I want this. I want that. I'm so desperate. Lord, I want that. And so I started to follow the teachings of this man online on YouTube. I would do anything for me to experience God. And one day as he was teaching about the Holy Spirit, I was alone in my apartment. And I felt this wind come in my room. I felt this fire come in. I couldn't explain it. But the Holy Spirit had entered the room and there was fire in the room and I was feeling so hot. I was losing it. I felt like I needed to strip. I wanted to, to, to take my clothes off because it's so, so hot in the room right now. And I was becoming mad. Like, what's going on with me? And I started to be like, Jesus, I love you so much. It was a baptism of fire. So I went to Christ for All Nations website. And I wrote an email. And I said, please let me know when and where is the next event with Renard Bunky. Wherever and whenever it is, I'll go. I don't care. I received the, the answer the day right after. And they said to me, Sir, our next conference of fire is in Paris, in your own nation, in one month. And here's the link for you to reserve the ticket. I was like, this is Jesus. <laughs> this is Jesus, man. So I went to Paris. I was so excited. And um, at the time, you know, Daniel Cullen, that was still like a young minister. He was, uh, he was being introduced by Renard Bonke as a future successor, but he was just like, appearing on the, on the international stage. And I listened to Renard Bonke. It was powerful, but that's not what changed my life in that moment. Actually, it's, it was the afternoon of that event. I was so desperate. I was, I was, I was looking for a spark. I was like, Jesus, something has to change. And, um, The afternoon, he let Daniel Kalenda preach. And that man came up. I didn't know him. 
I was attentive to the, 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 the interpreter because I was like, okay, American English, I, I, I was struggling to understand it at the time. <laughs> and it changed my life. He started to preach a message of faith. The faith of Mary when she asked Jesus to, to do something about the one that was missing in the, in the, in the wedding in Cana. And that message of faith was like, this is me. <laughs> It changed my life. And so I said to Jesus, I am not coming out of this building the same way I entered it. It's now or never. So my life is going to change now or never. I was a young man. I didn't know anything. I knew the letter, but I didn't know how, how you do ministry. I didn't know the church codes. I didn't know like what's, what's, you know, what you should do in church or what you shouldn't do. I didn't know any of that. I didn't care. So in the crowd of like several thousand people, I had noticed on the far right of the building that they had reserved some, uh, some rows for the people with wheelchairs and handicapped. And so he finished his message and he's, he started the, the, the worship time, you know, for people to, you know, an altar call, ministry time. I was like, this is now or never. I was scared to death. I was sweating, but I was like, this is my moment. So uh, everybody was just pressing each other, thousands of people against the stage. It was hard, but I was, I, I was pushing people to go the other way around. They were all going that way. I was going that way. People were looking at me like, what is he doing, this dude? And I, I, I just made my way out of the crowd to the rows of handicapped people. And look... <laughs> I didn't know anything about healing ministry. All I knew was the Bible. So I did what I, I had seen in the Bible. I was like, okay, Peter did that. I'm going to do the same. <laughs> so the first one, it didn't matter who it was. It had to be the first one that would come my way, right? So I see this man of like around 40 years old in a wheelchair. He's like this, you know, praising Jesus. He doesn't know what's coming to him. A crazy young dude that has no clue what he's doing. And so I came, I grabbed his hand. He was like, oh, what's going on? I grabbed his hand and I said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he walked. And I was like, what do I do now? I don't even know what to do with myself. So I was like, let me, let me see. He was not perfect, right? He was, he was a bit stumbling. I was like, uh, so I pushed him towards the stage to praise Jesus with me. And I was praying over his knees for the knees to be strengthened. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I pushed him towards the stage. We praised Jesus together. And then I was like, bye, have a good day. And I disappeared. I would like to read with you in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. <laughs> See, what's interesting is that verse 2 says that, you know, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was hovering, hovering like a chicken over its, over its eggs, right? Like the earth was an egg being hovered by the Holy Spirit. Now, it looks like nothing is happening, but when a chicken is hovering, life is brewing and growing, right? Now, that's our situation. Sometimes we're in dark situations, my friends. Sometimes you guys go through the night of the soul. I want to tell you something this morning, that the Holy Spirit is hovering. Whether you know it or not, the Holy Spirit is hovering. He's doing something, but there's something that needs to happen. Because as long as God doesn't speak, nothing happens. The Holy Spirit is moving over the waters, and it seems like nothing happens. How long did that last? I don't know. How long between verse 2 and verse 3 when God finally said, let there be light? I don't know. But the very moment God said, let there be light, boom, the light was. See, we see in John, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <laughs> he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. The first ever word that we know of God is let there be light. And it is not a coincidence. It is not random. God said, let there be light. And John 1 says that the light of man is Jesus. So when God said, let there be light, he said, let there Jesus be revealed. And since that time, it has been an, a continuous, progressive revelation of Jesus Christ on this earth. Have you ever noticed that Jesus was born at night? A star appeared. They followed the star to find the Messiah. It was a night. And the light shines in the darkness. God said, let there be light. The revelation of Jesus in the midst of your darkness. That's what it means, my friends. In the midst of my spiritual darkness, the Lord showed up. All you need is one word. One word with the blueprint of the Lord. One word who carries the very DNA of Jesus Christ. The word Jesus. That's what we need. See, I want to read with you in Mark 16 verse 20. In Mark 16 verse 20, we see a powerful confirmation of, of what I'm saying right now about the partnership between the word and the Holy Spirit. It says this. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them. 
and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. See, the Holy Spirit is not going to confirm any random thing. He confirms the word of God. When we preach the word of God, when we preach the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he confirms the word. He confirms Jesus. That's what he does. So when God spoke, let there be light, the Holy Spirit, who was just moving, hovering, he was ready. He was ready to catch the ball. Any baseball fans in here? He was ready to catch that ball. Come on, throw it at me. He was ready. When God threw the ball, let there be light, let there Jesus be revealed, the Holy Spirit jumped and come from the word. When when I was 15 years old and I decided with all of my heart to believe Jesus, I, I declared the word in the night and the Holy Spirit cut the word and confirmed it. In 2017, I was in California, and um, a couple of friends invited me for uh, a, a lunchtime. They wanted me to spend the afternoon with them and their family at home. And there were grandparents, and they told me, Emmerich, we are having the visit of our children and, their, and our grandchildren. Quite a big family. They're coming over, and we would love for you to come and be part of this day. Um, and of course, if you have one word from the Lord, just feel free. You know, I was like, okay, I gotcha. So I went there, spent the time with this beautiful family. I didn't know anyone except for my two friends that were the grandparents. And, um, there were like a, a, a dozen or around 10, 10 kids that were there. Right. And I see this kid that is like, 11 years old or so. And he looked to me like, you know, when you see those kids that are at school and, and somehow you know that they're certainly not A-plus type of students? That's exactly how he looked to me. And I, I couldn't see any confidence in him. Quite the opposite. And so all of a sudden, I was, I was eating, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks to me, and, and he goes, tell him that he's super smart. I was like, sorry, Lord, what? And he said, tell him that he's super smart. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt the conversation right now, but I need to speak to this young man there. And I looked at him straight in the eyes, and I said, Jesus wants you to know that you're very smart. And he looked at me, like, what? That's, that's, that's not what I, I'm used to here. <laughs> it was in shock. I said, Jesus wants you to know you're very smart. And more than that, and the Lord started to really speak to me and show me visions. And so I, I spoke according to the vision and I said, look, you're very smart. You're going to succeed in school. The Lord has given you a, a very smart, specific brain for engineering, machinery, and all of those things, and you're going to become an engineer. Because you're good with that. Now, everybody was boiling in the room. 
The parents were crying their their eyes out, and the boy was in shock. And so after that, the mom came to me and she said, "Can I show you something for a minute?" I was like, "Sure." So she takes me apart and she goes, "I want to show you the room of my son." So she leads me to his room. She opens the door, and the floor—I kid you not—the floor was covered with robots, with pieces of machinery that he had built with his own hands. And she said, "Look, my son is failing at school." We don't know if he's going to succeed, level up to the next grade, but in his free time, he spends hours building those things with his hands. And I was like, "This is Jesus. Jesus is with him. Jesus wants you to know that you've been doing a great job as a mom, and your son is going to succeed." Now I left, and one year later, I didn't hear anything back from for that entire time. But one year later. I was I was coming out of church and、um, I have my friend, the grandmother, who runs to me from the parking lot and she goes, "Emrick, Emrick, Emrick, I need to tell you something." I was like, "Yeah, what's going on?" And she goes, "You remember my grandson that you you gave a word last year?" I was like, "Yeah, I remember." And she goes, "He's now an A plus student. He has believed the word that you gave, and all of his passion and obsession right now is to become an engineer." I was like, "This is Jesus. This is amazing." See, the Lord Jesus is always close to us in the midst of our darkness. He's He's close to us when you don't feel like He's here. He's here. When the enemy is is whispering at your ears, saying that you're separate from God, you you didn't please Him. He's mad at you. See, He left you alone. Jesus is here. He's protecting you. He's just there. He's just there. He loves you so much. He's just waiting for the right timing because the Holy Spirit is brewing something in your heart. He's making changes in your heart, and the Lord is with you in those moments. And in the due time, He's gonna show up. He's gonna show up, my friends. Anything negative, depressing that has been in in your ears and in your thoughts—that was from the enemy. Jesus is here to restore you, to heal you, to bring life. All it takes is one word. Peter understood that. In Matthew chapter fourteen, you have this scene of the disciples being on a boat, and a storm in the night is now up. The, the Lord Jesus has been sending the disciples ahead of him. He wanted to have some me time to pray with the Father, and he sent the disciples to go to the other side of the sea. And so the disciples are struggling now in the midst of the night. And of the storm, and Jesus now is like casually, <laughs> casually walking on waters because why not? And now the disciples see this 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 figure come, and they're like, "This is a ghost!" And they're scared to death. <laughs> and Jesus said, "It is I. Do not fear." And Peter, I love Peter. Oh man, I love. 
I relate to him a lot. So I love Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, <laughs> if it is you, and I'm reading in, in verses 28 through 29, Matthew 14, 28 through 29. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Peter had been to the synagogue. Peter had heard the Torah, right? The law of God. He knew about that. But in all of the teachings that he had heard, in all of the word of God that he knew, and by the way, there was no Bible at the time, right? So there was nothing, nothing at all, that was telling him, you shall walk on waters. You know, there was nothing in there. Nothing that would be a support for his faith. Because Peter had understood something about faith. When I read this passage, I know that Peter understood something about the principle of faith. He knew that your faith has to be supported by the word of God to actually produce a divine result. See, in the Hebrew, faith actually has the same root of that, the, the, the verb adhere, adherence. Okay? So you can see faith, your faith is like a Velcro type of thing, right? It's like, grab your faith and it wants to stick to something. Faith cannot be by itself. It has to stick to something. And let me tell you, either it's going to stick to God's word or it's going to stick to Satan's lies. But it will stick to something and it will produce the results of what it is stuck to. So Peter knew that, and he knew that in all of the words that he knew from God, there was nothing for his faith to stick to. So he said, Jesus, I'm facing a situation right now that is impossible, but I choose to trust you. So give me a word. Give it to me because I don't have it. Give me a fresh, fresh anointed word for today for my situation, Lord. And Jesus said, come. Now he had the word. Now he had the living word, capital W word. The word himself had took some of his substance out and extended it onto the water. And I like to picture this as like a, a, a plank of wood, right? It's like the word come came out of the mouth of Jesus like a plank of wood. And now Peter didn't walk on the water. He walked on the word come. He walked on the plank of wood. And now his face was adhering to the word of God. Now, later on, when he started to look around at what was going on, that's where his face started to get out of the, the other Velcro part, right? And whew, midnight bath. But all it takes is one word. One word that has the, the blueprint of Jesus. See, we, we, we put our faith onto a lot of things that have no substance because they don't come from the promises of the Lord. I hate social media because it, have, it has all of those things that Christians share all the time about, you know, like those good thoughts and positive, positive thoughts. They don't come from the Bible for most of them. 
Go to the word of God. Find the substance. Find the real meat. Oh, I love a good meat, a good steak. Like I need some good, right meat. That's in the word of God. I'm going to find this, my brothers. Not in a fast food type of social media quick thought that somebody has been sharing lazily because they found it on Google or because they shared from somebody else. I love Jesus. Jesus is real. I want the real thing. Yesterday, yesterday, I had a testimony. I want to share it with you because it's so fresh. <laughs> I've forgotten about that, but apparently one year and a half ago, I was live uh, uh, preaching the word on, on, on Facebook, and so there was like a bunch of people connecting, and uh, I released some words. Now, I forgot about that, but there's a, a person who happens to be from France, actually, and she was following the live, and, and apparently I shared a word with her. I, didn't, I don't even remember it. Um, and she gave me a testimony yesterday. I was surprised to receive this text from a random person that I never talked to. But she contacted me on social media, and she goes, Amrick, I want to share a testimony with you. One year and a half ago, you gave me a word, and you prophesied over me that there would be a reconciliation in my family. And that the Lord would heal and restore our hearts and bring everybody together. Now, when I heard that word that day, I was like, this is impossible. It's impossible. I don't even know how that could happen because the situation was so bad. But she sent me a picture. I got a photo on my phone of all of them, this entire family reunited, smiling. And she goes, the Lord has reconciled all of my family it's amazing. Actually, through the death of an aunt, everybody has been gathered in one room, and they all fell into each other's arms. And they forgave each other, and they shared a lot of love. And I was like, Jesus, how good are you? How good are you? That in the midst of our brokenness, you show up. When we receive the word from Jesus, we hold on to it. We hold on to it. We believe in it. We nurture that word. We keep that word in our hearts like Mary did when the angel appeared to her and said, you're going to have a Messiah in your womb. She kept that word like a treasure in her heart. And then everything that Jesus was saying, all of the things that were happening in her childhood, she would write it on the tables of her heart. Jesus' life. So one last testimony. Are you okay? 2009. I'm in France. I come back very late at night from a dinner at my parents. I come back from, my, from there. I go to my apartment. And um, I was tired. It was late. Getting close to midnight, I just wanted a good night of sleep. So uh, I, I lay down in bed, ready to sleep. And there's a little, little something in my heart. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm tired. So he goes, 
Oh, okay, Lord. So in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, okay. So in Jesus' name, Amen. Good. Okay. So I, I, I start, I start, you know, moving. I'm not laying down anymore. I'm like, let's let's be more serious, you know, because. So, <laughs> so I, 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 I'm, I'm sitting down on my bed, right? And so I, I start to pray with a bit more intent and motivation, you know, because the boss is watching. So I'm just praying and, uh, Jesus, thank you so much. Amen. Are we good? I'm so tired, Lord. Okay. So I put myself on my knees and I keep praying. Oh, Lord, I'm so tired. Why now? Have mercy on me. So <laughs> I start praying, and now this alarm in me cannot. It just rings off and off. It's like, and I'm like, okay, Lord, okay. So I get up and I start walking in my apartment, and I start praying. And now this is going stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I need. And I hear myself say, I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna pray all night outside. And I'm like, what? What did I just say? And I grab my coat and a beanie because let me tell you, it was March. March in France in my region. This is not Miami. Okay, it's cold. It was rainy. You don't want to be outside. So I grab my coat, I put something on my head, and I get out and I pray, and I'm like, I don't even know why, but I need to get out and pray. So I get out and I walk in the streets, and I'm like, and I pray, I don't even know why I need to pray, what to pray for, I have no idea. So I'm like, I'm gonna pray in tongues because I don't know. So let's pray in tongues. So I'm like, Shakaramanebetimbrae, in Jesus' name, Karamanintaye. And I pray and I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I walk and I walk and I walk. So now 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I'm still like a madman in the streets of my city, not even knowing why I'm here, but I have to pray. It's a small city, 9,000 inhabitants. I had the time to just like do all the streets. <laughs> I was like, if somebody sees me, they're going to call the... The police or somebody. The man with a white blouse, you know? And so, <laughs> so I walk, I walk, I pray, I pray in tongue, and I'm like, Lord, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing here. Now, by 4.30 in the morning, I pass by a street, and there's like a little, just a tiny little thing of smoke that passes by like that. So I'm like, oh, that's strange. Okay. Maybe somebody is smoking like, you know, in the corner and, you know, a bit of smoke at this time. It's weird, but why not? So I, I keep going and I'm like, poof, another one, a little bit bigger. I'm like, hmm, all right. Keep moving. And now whew, it's a full cloud that just literally envelops me. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, this doesn't smell like cigarette. I'm looking out you know, around, and I'm looking at the, the buildings, the apartments, the houses. I'm like, maybe somebody, you know, like, it's a chimney, or maybe uh, somebody fell asleep with a, a cigarette in their bed, and the window is open, something like that. You know, like, those, those scenarios, I'm thinking of that. So, no, nothing. And I keep moving, and now it's a lot of smoke that is just surrounding me. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's a fire. Not trouble. So, I, I, 
I follow the smoke, and I arrive in this little street, a side street, where I look at this house, and it was a house that, you know, it was one of those old cities in France where all of the houses are stuck to each other, you know, for those who have traveled to Europe, or, or we've seen that somewhere else. It's not just like one house and a yard and, and another, or, you know, stuck. So you share the same wall, like townhouses, basically. And, uh, and I'm seeing this house, and there's a full-on big cloud of smoke coming out of the roof. No flame, but big cloud of smoke. Now, I'm here, it's 4.30 in the morning, at night. I don't have my phone with me because I didn't grab it. I'm far from my apartment. And it's not Miami. It's a small city in the countryside where if you have a light in the corner of the street, you're happy. There's nobody. There's no car moving around. Everybody is sleeping. And I'm like, Jesus, what am I going to do? I can't even call the, the firefighters. I can't do anything. So I'm here and I'm wondering, what do I do? So, and, and the Holy Spirit said, pray. So I'm like, I pray. I have a house that is smoking. <laughs> and I'm here praying <laughs> in tongues still because I don't know how to pray better. And at that moment, there's a car that passes by, stops, and I see it's a security type of car. And I remember it was named Security 29. And a man comes out with a, a security type of, of, of outfit, and he goes to me, uh, I saw the smoke here. What's happening? Do you need help? And I'm like, yeah, do you have a phone? And he goes, yeah, I have a phone. I'm like, call the firefighters right away. There's a fire here. So he calls, and then he vanishes. I don't pay attention, and I keep praying until the Lord releases me from my mission. So I pray, I pray, I pray, and I wait for the firefighters, and it feels like an eternity. <laughs> and now I see the flames coming out, so I'm like, come on, hurry up, guys. And then the firefighters come over, and they take over, and they take care of all of that. So the, the, the police arrive, and then and they talk to me. They ask for my first impressions and things. And so they go, like, come, come to the police station tomorrow. We want to we have your record your testimony. So I'm like, okay, no problem. So the morning after, I go to the police station. No matter what, I was already up. <laughs> and, um, and the police officer says to me, sir, um, it was a criminal fire. And uh, we're so glad it's a miracle that you, you happened to be there at that moment because it actually saved the life of, a, of an older lady that was living close to that. But there's, an, there's one problem with your testimony, sir. I'm like, okay, am I in trouble? <laughs> um, he goes, yeah, like you were talking to us about this Security 29 uh, company, security company. It doesn't exist. This company cannot be found anywhere. And I'm like, that was an angel. It was an angel. In the midst of the night. In the midst of your darkness. God is going to show up. Even if it takes somebody who is tired and wants to sleep, he's going to show up still. And if that one person doesn't obey the voice of the Lord and wants to sleep, they will find somebody else. 
Because God is that good. Jesus is close to you. And right now I want to invite you. If you want more of Jesus, if you want to experience the tangible, and I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to, to come up, please. I feel like there's an invitation to that, not just to give our lives to Jesus, but also to recommit our lives to Jesus, our King. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the light of men. He's the life. And right now, as I was speaking, the Lord was showing me different people that have back pain. And it's like a chronic thing for some of you. And if you have back pain right now, as we, as we do this altar call, I want you to literally, not even wait for me to pray, but I want you to stand up and check your back and see if there's a change. You can already start checking. And if there's anything else in your body, I want you to try it out. Check it out. If anything is changing in your body right now, Lord, I, I release healing in the name of Jesus. I release, Lord, those miracles. I'll release those breakthroughs that people have been praying for. I release, Lord, the hope that have been, they've been expecting and waiting for in the name of Jesus. If we can have the, the God, uh, I speak Jesus song. God spoke Jesus from the start. And I speak Jesus as well. Let there be light right now in your situation. Even if it, it feels dark, it feels impossible, Jesus is going to show up right now in the name of Jesus. So if anyone is watching online and here in this room and in your heart right now, you're like, this speaks to me. I want that Jesus. I want, I want that. What he's talking about, I may not understand everything, but I want that. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you right now to stand up. If you want to commit your life to Jesus, if you want to be solid in his word, if you want to walk with his Holy Spirit, if you feel like you need to come back, to get back to him. Oh, he's always been close to you, always. But maybe you need to get close to him. Then in the name of Jesus, pray with me. And right now, I'm going to pray for those who want to accept Jesus right now. And I pray, Lord, pray with me if you need that prayer of salvation. If you want Jesus in your life, pray with me with my words. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I repent for my sins. I ask you for forgiveness. I ask you to come and heal my brokenness. I ask you to save my life right now. And by faith, I receive you in my heart and I ask you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and I declare that I am now a child of God and I will walk according to your word in the name of Jesus Amen if you're in this room and you have made that commitment I want to invite you right now. At the end of this service, Pastor Milton and myself will be in the welcome lounge and we would love to pray for you. Also, if you have made that commitment and prayer in your heart, there's a, a connect card in front of you on the other seat where you can, you can fill out your information and help us know 
how to help you and be with you. So I'm asking you, if that's the case, to, to write your name, your information, and then come meet us at the welcome lounge. Somebody, you've been suffering in your ears for some time. There's like this ringing in your ears that is always uh, happening. Is there anyone in here? Yes, yes, I see you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare healing over you right now. In the name of Jesus, healing. Tinnitus, gone. In the name of Jesus right now. I speak with the authority of the name of Jesus Christ right now. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus right now. Also, I see women that have been suffering with constant migraines. I see migraines and, and difficulty to sleep at night. I see you. I see you. You're not the only one. Yes. In the name of Jesus right now, I release healing right now. In Jesus' name, I command those, healing, those, those healings to be manifested right now. In the name of Jesus, I command migraine to get out right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody needs healing in their knee. Who is he? Somebody, it's the knee. Yes, I see you, sir. Yes. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak strength and healing to your knees right now. In the name of Jesus, the Lord sees you. He loves you. He knows you. In Jesus' name, be healed right now. Be healed. Check it out. If anything is changing in your body, check it out. And, I, and we want to hear about it later. Somebody, it's been your articulations. You've been feeling lately like your articulations are all causing some struggle. And I see hands and fingers. Is there anyone in this room with this? Or online? I pray right now in the name of Jesus for articulations to be healed right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Thanks again for listening. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.